2: Bright Rug Flooring
3: How did you sleep?
4: <laughs> First nights are always at the heart.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's a truthful answer. <laughs> it's an early February morning on the banks of the Jiroir River in Brazil, not far from the Peruvian border. I'm with Louise Abram and her dad, Andre, and we're here on a simple mission, really. Just try and save the most fragrant chocolate on earth from total extinction. We just arrived last night after a full day of travel by planes and small boat. And after a rough night in a basic hut, we're moving a little slow as we take stock of the situation. The story of this mission goes back a few years. Luisa had just dialed in her technique for producing great chocolate from wild cacao beans when a nonprofit called SOS Amazonia that works to protect the Amazon and its people came to her with a plea. They'd just found cacao growing along the banks of the Jirois River in a pristine area where the people had almost no source of income. Would she consider working with them? No one had ever tried making chocolate with this cacao. So of course, she couldn't resist. She flew north, clear across Brazil and checked out the trees. The pods were tiny, with deep ridges. The seeds inside were really small.
4: And when I saw it, I I was just like, "Mm, I think we found something different here. Because it was just so unique.
3: They collected samples and rushed them off to the USDA for analysis. And scientists couldn't get back to them fast enough.
4: They were like, oh, this is a new thing. Like, You guys really found something different.
3: Not just a new thing. But a wildly new thing. In geography, genetics, and flavor, Jura was on a different planet from every other cacao. Here in this forgotten tributary of the Amazon, they had struck gold.
4: I was just so mesmerized by it. I wanted to show everyone.
3: This Jura is something else, it, it's, it's a floral bouquet. <laughs> I love it. One of the first to get his taste buds on it was chocolate critic Mark Christian. He was sort of like, yeah, bring this on. (laughs) Okay. Now we're finding things, you know. We're finding stuff. This is what it's about, you know, rediscovery. And if Mark was entranced, Matt Caputo was downright obsessed. It almost had this note of perfume. Things like
1: anise, sassafras, like almost jasmine blossom, but also like tropical fruit notes, like... In one year I got samples from over 400 chocolate companies and I have to evaluate them, you get kind of jaded. And then to taste something like Louisa's Jourois that is just completely singular. And it was just, it was
3: intoxicating in a way. But the Jourois River was so remote and there were so few people to do the work that it was almost impossible to get the beans picked, fermented, and shipped. But fortunately for Louisa, Matt Caputo became a champion of the bar, buying the meager supply and building a cult following for it in the US. As a librarian of disappearing and exotic flavors, this was exactly the kind of masterpiece Matt wanted to keep alive. Then came 2019, epic flooding on the Jiroir River. The people were just scrambling for survival and there was no way to harvest. And as if that wasn't bad enough, then COVID struck and the specialty chocolate market tanked. Louise's dream was now on life support. The family had to make a decision. And in May 2020, Matt received a long email from Louise's father, Andre.
1: Their chocolate sales were taking a beating. They were leveraged with some loans and
3: had big time financial struggles. Fighting for survival, they had to drop any project that was losing money. And that meant they had to give up on Giroir. It was just too expensive, too hard. And so, had to let their biggest cheerleader down. My heart just sank, and I felt like I got
1: punched in the gut. I felt like these goals that we have, no matter how hard we push, there's just too many pressures that we can't control, and we're doomed to fail. What are we going to do? We're just a deli in Salt Lake. We're going to change the whole food system. You know, it feels like we're tilting
3: at windmills. Louise's little venture seemed destined to fail. And yet, here I am, two years later, in the heart of the Amazon, watching her take the fight to those windmills. What are your other plans for the day? Well, pretty
5: soon we we'll have some <laughs> a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs>
3: From the little porch of our hut, we drink our coffee and peer out at the world before us. A sliver of ground between the river and the swamp. Pigs and chickens weave between banana trees and wander under huts, harassed by an old dog. A few yards away, the river is swollen with stormwater, a milk chocolate monster churning with gigantic trees and root balls and it's rising every day. And that means we only have a few days to pull off a miracle. Louisa is here to showface, establish connections, teach a fermentation workshop, and convince the homesteaders that wild cacao could be a great part of their future. Because there's another version of their future that's full of chainsaws and cattle ranches, which is true throughout the Amazon. And Louisa is trying to do her small part to head that off. The good news? There are 4,200 freshly picked pods waiting for us to use in the workshop. The family spent all day picking yesterday, so they're at least curious. But the bad news is that we have to get the beans fermented and dried before water swamps everything. It's going to be a high-wire act. In this part of the Amazon, the accommodations tend to be spartan. We're staying at the homestead of a guy named (laughs) Zay. He's a strong, wiry guy in his 40s, in shorts and bare feet. Like most ribeirinhos, as river dwellers are called in Brazil, he has no electricity or outhouse. The only drinking water is whatever gets caught off the roof. And the only bathing is to stand in the muddy swamp behind the lot and scoop pots of water over your head. Say warns us that any time you're standing in the swamp, watch out for poraquê, giant electric eels. That's not encouraging. But he also says that when the moon is full, a goddess rises out of the river and the river dolphins dance around her. So I chalk it up to Amazonian superstitions until... Okay, Zay apparently just caught an electric eel. So he's taking me down to the river take a look at it. I'd actually heard that there were electric eels in the Amazon, but for some reason in my head, I would pictured tiny things, like maybe a foot long. Instead, Oh, my God, it's a river monster. I am so not swimming in the river anymore. Holy moly, he's got a tape measure out. It's like a seven-foot sandworm, as thick as a ship cable, with a huge mouth. Andre and Luisa are right on my heels.
4: God, this is so huge. Have you ever seen one like this? This is, is huge. <laughs> oh, I didn't know they were so huge.
5: I thought they were small, like a meter.
3: Forget the piranhas, the crocodiles, the anacondas. Zay points to the beast and says this is the most dangerous animal in the swamp. Has he been shocked by yeah. the moment? Yeah. Yeah. What did it
5: feel like? And then, what happened? Did you cry? Did I? But he doesn't go up to the top to kill him, right? To kill him. If he doesn't kill him, he kills yeah. 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 If you don't take a person out of the water, the porca will on top of the chest, specifically the chest, and give them another, another electric shock. Really? They, and oh my God.
3: <laughs> yeah, so apparently these eels like to pile on your chest like linebackers, electric linebackers, and they like to hunt in packs. So whatever we managed to get accomplished this week, it's not going to include bathing. From Kaleidoscope and iHeart Podcasts, this is Obsessions Wild Chocolate. I'm Rowan Jacobson. Chapter 6, The Gospel of Chocolate. One by one, we hear the pukka-pukka of tiny outboards approaching, and soon we're joined by about a dozen ribereños. Luisa is psyched. She and Andre sent money in advance to pay for harvesting and for the construction of a new fermentation shed. The ribereños have been living off the grid for generations. Zé's parents came here from Eastern Brazil during one of the rubber booms, tapping wild rubber trees for the latex sap. Once the rubber bust followed, they stayed, living off the land. They grow their own food, build their own shacks, and make a little cash by fishing and gathering murumuru, a local palm nut that's rich in cosmetic oils. They like to keep things simple. Cacao would be a lot more responsibility with the fermenting and drying. And so far, they're not convinced it's worth the effort. Yes, they picked and delivered these pods yesterday. And yes, a few have shown up for the workshop to meet Louisa, but they're skeptical. And let's be honest, there's one real reason why these families have put their daily lives on hold. Why they spent the day before slogging through the wet jungle, picking pods. Why there's a brand new shed in the middle of Zay's compound, piled with 4,200 little golden footballs. And that reason is cash. In 2020, when floods and COVID forced everyone to pull back, Louisa and Andre took a different approach.
4: We almost gave up, almost. But then Matt was the one that where I was like, no, you can't, Jirwa is just too good, it's just so special. Like, I'm just going to help you guys, just please don't give up. So the whole reason that we kept on coming back was because of him.
3: Yes, we're here because Matt Caputo fell so deeply in love with Luisa's Jirwa bar that he couldn't let it go.
1: It was my favorite bar, and I thought to myself, like, you know, what? What if we
3: prepaid them for the next harvest now? It was a crazy suggestion. Even if the cash came through, the timeline was against them. And Andre is like, what are you talking about? It'll take like two years for you to get chocolate. Just to be clear, the number of times that a retailer offers to prepay a chocolate maker two years in advance is, uh, let me see here, uh, never. Usually producers have to chase retailers for months to get paid. It was the kind of risk sharing Volker Lehman had sought for years and never found. It was such a crazy offer, Andre didn't know what to think.
1: He just kind of dismissed it like that's not a possibility. I'm like, no, no, no. What if we were patient? What would it take? And he he basically came back with like, well, it would take $7,000. And I
3: said to myself, like, well, Caputo's isn't that big of a company. But at the same time, $7,000 to save one of the world's great foods and make the Amazon more resilient, just couldn't get the idea out of his head
1: and i was definitely did some soul searching as to whether it was a good idea to to send you know a good chunk of money out the door and i but i talked to my wife about it and said you know if it's these times when you really see what you stand for we love these people we believe in our mission and we had an opportunity and if we didn't take it even if it was going to be a loss if we didn't take it then we're
3: we don't practice what we preach. Matt also did something else you won't find in your business textbook. He said, I want you to charge me more for every bar. That's right, raise my prices and then turn around and pay the people more. Louise and Andre crunched the numbers and decided that if they really wanted to get the Ribereños on board, they were going to have to pay for a kilo of dry cacao, twice as much as any other cacao on the planet and five times what an African farmer gets. And with Matt's help, they actually had the opportunity to do that. So they did. And with that move, Louisa and Andre and Matt flipped Big Chocolate's playbook on its head. Instead of selling cheap chocolate to unknowing customers and grinding farmers into poverty to make the numbers work, they decided to pay their partners well and count on consumers to care enough to buy in. Will that work? We get our first inklings after the break. Here's your chance to be one of those caring consumers who is supporting the Amazon by eating this super rare, super tasty chocolate. We've teamed up with Louisa Abram and Stetler Chocolate to create a special tasting box with Giroir River Chocolate and two more of Louisa's special creations. Go to www.stetler-chocolate.com to order a box. Link in the show notes.
0: Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give City tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. Roller coaster. What's that spell? San Diego. If you are happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism
6: Marketing District Assessment Funds. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast growing health and wellness industry.
3: Here's a fun fact. There's a tiny fly in the Amazon called a Pium that everybody dreads. From dawn to dusk, the Pium feast on all exposed body parts and raise red welts that itch like insanity itself. And the worst spot in the entire Amazon for Pium? Yes, that's right, the Giroir River. Even other hardcore Amazonians avoid the area because of the bugs. But here we are, swarms of Pium, shredding our necks and ankles as we all gather in the open-sided shed for the pod-breaking workshop. It still smells of fresh lumber. It's basically just a platform on stilts with a roof overhead, but in the Amazon, roofs and stilts are everything. There's a mix of men and women sitting around the mountain of cacao pods in the middle. It looks like Spog's treasure pile. We grab wooden clubs and start thumping pods as Louisa walks us through it. The pods break open with a satisfying pop, and we scoop the slimy pulp and beans into buckets.
4: Oh, aqui...
3: Luisa directs a lot of her teaching toward the women who have come, and during a break, I ask why.
4: They pay more attention. Yeah. <laughs> and, and also here in the Amazon, most of the work and most of the income comes from the men. So with this selection, we can make the the cacao harvest more, I guess, um, what's, the, what's the name? More inclusive.
3: When the buckets are full, we pour the beans into hip-high wooden boxes. The boxes have holes in the bottom so the juice can drain out. And local bees have already found it. Zay, our host built these boxes to Luisa's exact specifications. But, he's eyeing this whole scene skeptically. He's never paid attention to cacao, never tasted chocolate until Luisa brought her bars for everyone to try. And Andre's impression is that he's going to need a lot of convincing. I I didn't feel
5: he, he was you know too confident that this thing would work. Now, when I brought the aqui. Zé ficou assim, I don't know, my fish. Zé was like, I don't know, you know, know, this thing will mess with my fishing activities. Cacao coincides with uh, good catches at the river.
3: This is what they're up against. It's one thing to continue a cacao tradition that has lasted for centuries. It's another to build one from scratch. Nobody here has any romantic attachment to chocolate. They just have one very practical question. How is this going to improve my life? In a few hours, the pods are all broken and the boxes are full and starting to ferment in the steamy Amazon air. Each day, Luisa and Andre have to come back and turn the mass, scooping it into a new box and mixing the hot center and the cooler edges so the fermentation evens out. Three of the people at the workshop turn out to be from SOS Amazonia, the nonprofit that first alerted Luisa to the existence of this shirwa cacao. They're here to learn the techniques and teach them to other communities even deeper in the backcountry.
4: SOS is trying to open to more origins, upriver, but they don't don't know the cacao chain, the cacao, the the protocols. So they came to um,
3: learn with us.
4: All of the cacao is coming, it's going to come for me, so...
3: That's, that's nice. you be the queen of the Amazon. Oh,
4: yeah. That's the the main goal, <laughs> I guess.
3: <laughs> the SOS Amazonia guys are young, born in the Amazon and familiar with its ways. And Louisa says she couldn't do this without them.
4: SOS really helps a lot of people here. Yeah. They're, everywhere they go, they are, like, welcomed. So it's really good to be with them because then... Oh, whenever we arrive in somewhere, like, new place, they're like, oh, they're with us.
3: And that's really important here, in a region where activists are often killed. A few months after our visit, in this same region, a British journalist and the indigenous rights activist he's working with will be murdered by illegal fishermen. Anything goes in the Amazon, and the life expectancy isn't high for anyone who challenges the illegal loggers, miners, ranchers, and fishermen. But somehow, SOS Amazonia is making it work. The hope is that with their help, what Luisa is doing here will start a wild cacao movement that could spread clear across the Amazon. We break for lunch, then head to the boat for our afternoon mission, looking for new recruits. To produce enough chocolate to make the Giroir bar a real thing, Luisa needs more help. So we're going to visit each homestead on the river and hope she can work her magic. This <laughs> has been through some shit. Our craft is a long, skinny boat with rows of benches, like little pews. It feels like a theme park ride, or the kind of thing missionaries would have used back in the day. And it suddenly occurs to me that Luisa and Andre are basically cacao missionaries, bringing the gospel of chocolate to the Amazon. At each stop along the river, faces peer out of the windows at our mysterious entourage. But each time we dock, people choose to listen. We're never turned away. Everyone collects on the cabin floor and sprawls out, as Louisa makes her good. pitch.
4: Yeah, that was great. Actually, like, this family has, like, a lot of people, so they have a lot of potential to get more pods.
3: Yeah, it looked like there are a bunch of kids there. And...
4: Yeah, yeah. It, it has a nice vibe to it.
3: It's amazing. Pretty much everyone is on board. Oh,
4: Fourth family, That was nice. They, so far, they are the winning family. They got 300 pods in one day. And they said that if they had more time, they would have caught more. So that's a win. And they're pretty excited about cacao.
3: As we head back to Zay's that evening, I can feel the whole Giroir dream becoming real. The pickers are all in. But now we need the fermenters someone to run the station where everyone will drop off their beans and get paid. It's a much bigger commitment. And while Zay agreed to build the drawing shed and even put us up for a few days, so far, he's still a firm no.
0: Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? we Time for chill vibes. Beach, no How about a garden tour? Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego
6: Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds.
2: right rug flooring
4: We are turning the box in layers mm-hmm. so we don't really like dig a hole mm-hmm. in the box we try to do it in layers Why is that Because by doing it in this way we can make sure that we are cooking all the layers evenly. Mm. So the box- for
3: the next few days, Louisa keeps teaching using the special protocol she developed for the middle of nowhere. In more developed places, cacao fermentation relies on a lot of gadgets thermometers to measure heat, refractometers to see the level of sugar in the juice. But in the jungle, things break and batteries die.
4: If a battery dies, you are four hours away by boat from the next city. Are you going to go and go there just to get the battery? Oh, the fermentation! Please stop because I don't have a battery here. You know, like it's it doesn't work like that. So um, we were like, okay, let's just go by the feel, smell, tasting, visual, and the 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 feel, the the warmth.
3: She developed her own low tech Amazonian protocol.
4: I was like, well. The temperature of your body is X. If you get in, get in there and the temperature feels higher, it's because the temperature is higher than 37 Celsius because your, your body temperature is 37. If the temperature feels lower, it's because the metabolism of the, the whole mass is um, going down. And then smelling, oh, look, this alcohol smells really volatile. And then vinegar, you almost want to cry when you, when you like smell a lot of vinegar. So we slowly, we had a protocol where they don't needed any gadgets to make a good bean.
3: Honestly, it's a total game changer for places like this. Instead of fermentation being totally intimidating for people who aren't used to high-tech gadgetry, the process becomes intuitive, even fun. The one person who's totally uninterested is Zay. Andre and Luisa had him pegged as the guy to run this fermentation center, but he often wanders away during the workshops. But as it turns out, we don't have to look far for a solution. Mykon, his son, is asking lots of good questions. Mike is 20, a handsome kid with an earring and a stylish haircut. He'd blend in seamlessly on the streets of any city, and you can tell he's got his eye on the larger world. But he also loves life on the river. So after the workshop, we ask him what he thinks.
4: Michael, what do you think? Do you think it's possible it? you think
1: it's
4: it's all good.
3: <laughs> <laughs> not too, not too much work.
4: No, it's not difficult. It's difficult because it's new. But as, as as time passes, he will, he is sure that he can handle this process.
3: Yeah. How many boxes does he think he can handle?
4: <laughs>
3: that would be about three hundred and fifty kilos of dried cacao. Enough for a few thousand bars. A good start. Later, when we're alone, Andre tells me where Mykon's interest in cacao comes from.
5: He says that maybe there's a lot of overfishing. Every year there's a migration of the fish upstream, up river. And he uh, said so that nowadays they have like a thousand boats waiting for the fish. Really? Yeah. By cruzeiro but not not that many fish. So. Yeah. And so he was really, really hopeful that cacao could uh, become you know, eventually something that would be bigger than fishing here.
3: Yeah. And, he was and really, more dependable. Yeah. The problem is actually pretty devastating. Fish stocks throughout the Amazon are collapsing in the face of overfishing and climate change. The Amazon is the greatest abundance and diversity of freshwater fish in the world. And that has always been the foundation of Riverino's diet and income. And when it goes, they often go with it. And the loggers and ranchers move in. So I can see why Micon is so laser-focused. And they said, we're gonna work hard for that
5: to happen. Because, you know, cacao become a major source of, of income in here. Which was the very first time that I heard uh, someone from, from, from here so enthusiastic and so, I think our responsibility is even bigger. <laughs> uh, because yeah. He was really, you know, uh, counting on, on us.
3: If the community can band together with Luisa to preserve this wild cacao, it might just help them hang on. But for that to even be a possibility, the team has to make it to the finish line on this workshop. And Louisa, she's starting to flag, for good reason.
4: It's been seven years since we come to different communities in the Amazon, but it has never been so tough for me. Um, I'm pregnant. Today is actually 12 weeks pregnant. And first trimester is just, uh, I don't know, morning sickness. And to be here in this time of um, my pregnancy, it has been tough. (laughs) I'm not going to lie.
3: And of course... I can't say what it's like to be fighting back morning sickness while you're getting mauled by Pium and you're trying to stay positive about your cacao workshop. But I'm just going to go out on a limb and guess that it's not ideal and that to pull it off, you got to believe. I can't help but think back to Louisa's ayahuasca awakening, her understanding that the forest and the people are one and her commitment to total partnership with the Amazon. And yet right now, the Amazon is being a bit of an asshole. The rains are pounding, which drops the temperature, and that slows down the fermentation. Which means the beans might not be done by tomorrow morning, but we have to leave tomorrow because there's no other flight out of Cruzeiro for days. But if Luisa has to leave before she can show everyone the final steps, that could endanger the whole experiment. And more urgently, the river and the swamp behind the shack are rising so fast that it's not clear we'll have any ground to stand on by tomorrow. Still. As we huddle in our cabin, staring out at the rain, Andre says he's glad we came.
5: We make this big bet that raising pot prices would engage more people. It did. Uh, I, I was really surprised that they could build a fermenting a fermenting, uh, place, a place that ferment cacao, uh, build the boxes, yeah. and so so fast. It was like a month. So I think Michael understood that here's an opportunity. I'm not gonna let that, you know, go through my fingers. Let's work this out. Let's have have a go.
3: But that night, the Amazon has a go at us. It's a deluge all night long. The river tears away chunks of the bank. The swamp is now a lake, lapping at the edge of our cabin. Somebody pulls a six-foot anaconda out of it, but nobody even cares. Sometime after midnight, I hear the explosion of one of the huge trees in the compound, carrying loose from its roots. For one queasy, eternal second, I wait to be crushed. Then the world explodes with the sound of the tree, crashing down, nearby, no direct hit. In the morning, an Amazonian giant stretches dead across the compound. It was a narrow escape and, it's water, water everywhere. The river is now, the river has reclaimed all the land. Like, there's just water everywhere. Um, there's no dry land to really walk on. We're supposed to head back to Trujero de Sol today. Um, but that means a very long trip against the flow of river. And the river's just going to be full of massive trees, tearing downstream um, and it's going to be moving so fast. I'm not sure the boat's going to be able to do it. Louise is concerned too.
4: I'm so worried because we're going on the river today.
3: Uh, that's what I was thinking about all night. Um, that river is just going to be hammering and we have to go yeah. upriver.
4: I hope the rain stops today because if it doesn't, we are not flying tomorrow.
3: Honestly, it feels grim. But then the skies suddenly part for a brief window and we take advantage. We scramble over the soggy ground to the drying racks so Luisa can demonstrate the last step in the process. Scooching through the spread out beans with your feet to push them into long rows for better drying. (laughs)
4: Luisa
3: just scooched through the beans with her feet, scooching along the way to make channels and ridges. But as she rushes through the process, Maicon has some final questions. Later, Luisa gives me the lowdown.
4: Um, he thought it was quite easy and doable, which is always great. Um, he also asked how many days I, I thought it would take for the time. Okay. How many days? I, I said between 10 and 12 days. Uh, they want to take a picture. Oh, my
5: God. <laughs>
3: no, that sound you hear is not a swarm of bees. It's a drone. Luisa's team brought it along, and it's time for the group photo. <laughs> and then we scramble for the boat and push up river. Against yeah. the current. Well, I think we got out just in time. Just it's like the last chopper out of Vietnam, out of Saigon. Yeah.
4: Yeah. <laughs>
3: oh my god, look at your feet. Yeah. You look like you've got henna on <laughs> you.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tattoo. New tattoo.
3: Yeah, Louisa is washing her feet in the river as we are taking off in the boat. This is uh with soap. <laughs> a new, new, moment in extreme cacao. <laughs> the storms return, and we huddle under the boat's torn tarp. But our pilot is face first into the downpour for hours, dodging the trees that come flailing down the current. Any of them could capsize us. But half a day later, we straggle into Cruzeiro do Sul like drowned rats. And a day after that, we're back in São Paulo and Louisa just has to cross her fingers. She's gone above and beyond, and so has Matt. And now, it's in the hands of the Riverinas. They know what to do. We just have to hope that their relationship with Louisa is now deep enough, and that the river cooperates. Want a taste of some of this God-level chocolate? We got you covered. Kaleidoscope has joined forces with Louisa Abram and Stetler Chocolate to make a special box to go along with this very podcast. Now you can sample flavors from the banks of the Amazon without having to fight off jaguars and anacondas. Just visit www.stetler-chocolate.com to order your wild chocolate today. Check the link in the show notes.
0: Let's hit it.
2: Bright Rug Flooring.
3: A few months later, I get a Zoom call from Louisa. Hello? Hey, Louisa. Good to hear your voice. How are you? I'm good. How's it going? After so much waiting, this was the moment of truth. And Louisa was calling me with the verdict, straight from her factory floor.
4: I just got in to... Um, I never had so many beans in my factory. This is very, very exciting. In 2018, we had 300 kilos this year. We got um, 1.1 1. 1 tons.
3: So, oh, wow. So you, you doubled. Yeah. This is double that. Yeah, this wow. is double that. Wow.
4: Yeah. I just opened two of the sacks and... Right off the bat, I know that this is my Judo They they smell great. I am beyond happy and hoping that everyone loves it.
3: Honestly, I was too. Somewhere along the way, I got invested. I would have been heartbroken to see this cacao and those ribirinos give way to cattle ranches. And if you think we were happy,
1: well... There I am sitting in my office, same place where I got the email. And Heather, our marketing coordinator, walks in and puts it on my desk. And I look up,
3: and she's got tears in her eyes. Matt Caputo was over the moon. His crazy $7,000 bet had just paid off. I asked Matt to walk me through the moment when the Jois bars first arrived. I was like, this is
1: it? And she's like, just nodding her head. And so I open it up and I'm so nervous that I pop it in my mouth and then the flavors open up and everything that I love about Judoa in the past is there. I just know within 10 seconds, this is the best chocolate Louisa has ever made. This bar doesn't taste like anything else anywhere in the world. You know, we did something. where we, we helped to preserve this cacao and i know the other like-minded people like me are going to appreciate this and to join us in this fight and the beautiful thing in this fight is you know our weapons that we use are sharing stories and tastes of things that we love
3: and kind of spreading that love chocolate and love what could possibly go better together Oh, right. I forgot. Chocolate and revenge.
5: So we agreed to catch catch the guys
3: in flagrante uh-huh. in the forest. How's that going to happen? The police going to Yeah, he said he would need uh,
5: help. And then we do an operation and we get the people.
3: Yes, just when you thought it was safe to go back in Bolivia, it's the return of Volker next week on Obsessions, Wild Chocolate. Wild Chocolate is a Kaleidoscope production with iHeart Podcasts. Hosted and reported by me, Rowan Jacobson, and produced by Shane McKeon at Nice Marmot Media. Edited by Kate Osborne and Mangesh Adekudor. Sound design and mixing by Soundboard. Original music composition by Spencer Stevenson, a.k.a. Botany. Production help from Bahini Shori. From my heart, our executive producers are Katrina Norbell and Nikki Itor. Special thanks to Laura Mayer, Costas Linos, Oz Wallachin, Aaron Kaufman, Will Pearson, Hodel Byrne, Bob Pittman, Daria Daniel, and the team at Stetler, who are helping us make a very special chocolate of our own. That's right, we're working with Louisa and others to protect the rainforest and make delicious Amazonian chocolate. Visit www.stetler-chocolate.com to taste it for yourself. That's www.stetler-chocolate.com. And if you want to hear more of this type of content, nothing is more important to the creators here at Kaleidoscope than subscribers, ratings, and reviews. Please spread the love wherever you listen.